Good morning. Will you stand with us and we'll sing our call to worship from Psalm 116. he inclined his ear to me. Therefore I call on him as long as I live. The snares of death encompassed me. The pangs of Sheol laid hold of me. I suffered distress and anguish. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul.
seis visibles. Let us pray together. Lord, as we gather before you, we stop to praise you for the love and generosity you have shown us. Particularly this morning, we are thankful for the gift of your presence in the person of your son. This morning, we're thankful not just for the miracle of the infant birth that affirms the goodness and importance of our lives and your creation, but also for the word that was in the beginning, now made flesh. The word that gives light to we who sit in darkness. The word that seeks us out in the midst of a world that seeks to hide suffering, to obscure pain, to turn away from injustice. We pray by, by, by that the power, we pray that by the power of that word, those who have endured a long night of oppression and persecution and long, um, and long for a dawn of justice may be known. Lord, we pray that those who daily live in the shadow of death might know that the light of the word has overcome it. We ask that you help each of us seek the wisdom of that word to guard our feet in the way of peace. Lord, may we learn to rest in the grace given to us through that word, growing full-hearted and confident to serve you humbly and without fear. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The children are dismissed for children's worship. We will now continue our worship through a time of confession. We'll first do, through, do so corporately um, through reading a prayer together, and then we'll do, through, do so through song, um, and then finally through personal confession. Lord Jesus, you said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. However, the world around us still seems so dark. People are oppressed, abused, and hungry. Our neighbors do not trust one another and they even fear the authorities who, would, who should protect them. Inside us, the darkness of doubt and fear, greed and selfishness, anger and hatred rises up. Jesus, our savior, give us eyes to see that you are the true light and help us to hold fast to the promise that no darkness shall overcome it. Amen.
sins to the Lord. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you that you meet us precisely in our weakness and need. That you promise that when we are faint and bruised, you will restore us. Help us to live boldly in the reality of your love and of your provision. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand for the words of assurance. <clears throat> the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Um, as we have been welcomed by the Lord, let us welcome one another.
Tis an ocean vast of blessing, tis a haven sweet of rest. All the deep people of Jesus, tis a heavens to me, and he leads me up to glory, for he leads me up to thee. Please be seated. The Old Testament lesson is from Isaiah 42, 1 through 9. Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I've put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his law. Thus says God the Lord who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord, I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. I'm the Lord, that is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. The New Testament lesson is from Ephesians 3, 1 through 12. For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, Assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and the prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery 
hidden for ages in God, who created all things, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. This is the word of the Lord. Again, it's good to worship with you and have a chance to look at God's word together. You'll see in your order that we're going to uh, look at uh, the Gospel of Matthew, in particular, Jesus' baptism. And this is part of over the next uh, weeks that we'll be looking at passages from the, the Gospel of Matthew and specifically asking the questions around who is this Jesus and how Jesus, as the revelation of God, uh, tells us who we are as well. Um, thanks, Lucy, for reading from the scriptures. Uh, before we read from Matthew, I want to mentioned that I saw recently in the news uh, that a pair of Levi jeans from the 1880s, from the 1880s, was recently sold at an auction in New Mexico for $87,000. That's no Christmas sale on those, you know. The jeans were found in an abandoned mine, and this might be my favorite part of the story. They were found by a denim archaeologist. <laughs> Maybe you guys have heard of this before, but... Michael Harris is a denim archaeologist, and over the last five years, he has explored 50 abandoned mines seeking denim, seeking denim, which I guess makes sense if it's $80,000 for jeans. In the story, there's a quote that the jeans are extremely rare, especially in their fantastic condition and size. As part of this fantastic condition, there's a picture in the article that these jeans ha still had the Levi tag on them, like on the back that's sewn in to the jeans. Still intact, you can read it, Levi Strauss and Company, copper riveted clothing, patented 1873, and believe this, you could even read the sizes. The jeans were waist 38 and length 32. Maybe a denim archaeologist knew what he had found as soon as he saw them, you know, from his flashlight or from the distance, but if there was any question about what these things were, there was a tag to tell you what they were, to tell you what they were, tell you even the size, what they were made for. And I mentioned this story of discovery and identification, partly maybe to think about that question. Sometimes things have tags. This is what this is, even when they've been around for a long time. But if you're like me, you know, you know that most of the time, most of the things we encounter in life, maybe even ourselves, don't have a tag that comes along and clearly tells us who we are or what something is. We need introductions. We need someone to tell us. We need to make observations. Levi Jeans, the discovery of them after many years of being hidden, maybe points us to the actual theme of what epiphany is, this idea of discovery, this idea of recognizing something, of identifying it. And in this case, it's not clothing or things from the past in the American West that we're discovering. Rather, what we're being invited to discover is the person of Jesus. 
the one who is called the light of the world, the one who's called son of God, full of grace and truth. And this morning we're going to look at this events of Jesus' baptism. And what I want us to see is that this baptism in many ways, it, it speaks directly to these questions of who, who is this and why has he come? And God himself speaks into those questions to introduce us, to proclaim who this person is. And the wonders of our faith, the wonders of the good news of the gospel is that when we know Jesus, when we are introduced to him, we have the possibility of then knowing ourselves. That's how the gospel tells us that when we know Christ, knowing him leads to knowing ourselves. So let's look at our passage. This is from Matthew chapter 3, the first three verses, and then we'll move ahead to 11 through 17. You can follow in your order of worship or in your Bible. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear the, his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the shaft he will burn with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Holy Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. This is God's word given for our good. Well, as we look at this passage and think about this idea of discovering, of recognizing, there's, there's two questions I want us to ask. And the first one is, how is the identity of Jesus revealed in this event and his baptism? And the second one is similar, is how does Jesus' identity help us know who we are? So let's start with this first one, is how is the identity of Jesus revealed in his baptism? Well, it's helpful to have some context that Matthew's gospel, in the opening chapters, it offers different voices, different insights into who this Jesus is. Who is this, and, and why has he come? And it starts off in the first chapter with a genealogy, a genealogy that identifies Jesus through a variety of people, but in particular as the son of David and as the son of Abraham. And then it moves into an announcement by an angel to Joseph, telling him that this child has been conceived by the Holy Spirit, and this child should be named Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And then we come to the visit of the Magi from the East. They come announcing that they have gifts because the King of the Jews has been born. And so after these opening scenes, we come to our passage at the start of chapter 3 in which Jesus, the adult, 
Jesus is introduced. And this time, not by historical genealogies or an angel or magi, but here by the voice crying in the wilderness, John the Baptist. Here's a voice that is crying out apart from the broader society. He's, he's gone out into the wilderness apart from human structures and human powers and human titles. He goes and from that place announces, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The fact that he's in the wilderness and the fact that something is coming, he is trying to say for people to hear that something new and something different is arriving. This is not the same old way in which the temple operated, not the same old way that scribes talked about religion. Something new is coming. John is not the one who will establish it. Rather, he is the voice announcing its arrival, calling all who hear to prepare, to pay attention, to look. For the one that's coming is the Lord. And when he comes, John says, he will come with spirit and with fire. It's into this announcement that Jesus arrives at the Jordan River. It's into this announcement and anticipation of something different and new that Jesus arrives and takes a position that John was not expecting. Maybe we can imagine a scenario where you're assuming that when someone shows up, you know, this person will kind of take charge. Everyone else will kind of be around him or her. And so John is ready for that. But Jesus comes and says he's ready to be baptized by John. John's confused. The one to come was going to be is mightier than me, different from me. So it's logical to expect that I would be the one baptized by Jesus I need to be baptized by you, John says. Why does this mighty one of God need to be baptized? Why does he need to be covered in the waters of repentance and preparation? Now, it could be that we kind of zone off here, right? This sounds like just kind of a theological question. <laughs> what are these questions about baptism? But I suggest to you that this, this moment in which John himself is actually confused is a moment in which we're invited to see a clue about who this person actually is. Who is this Jesus that's showing up? See, Jesus answers and kind of acknowledges the logic of what John's feeling. But Jesus says to him that it is, it's right for us to fulfill all righteousness. It's a way of Jesus saying it's not the question of who is above the other or who you are, who I am, but rather what God has called us to do. What is the identity that I have? You see, John was called to announce the coming of the Lord. Announce the one who would baptize with the Holy Spirit and bring forth newness in a way no one else could. John's role was to say, look, be ready, pay attention. Your crooked ways need to be acknowledged. Jesus has a different calling, and that helps us see how he is different. In a unique way, Jesus was called to identify with you and me. John called out to us to say, pay attention, but in a unique way, Jesus came to identify with his people. 
To fulfill all righteousness is a way of saying that you obeyed God and God's plans, God's ways. When Jesus receives baptism, he's doing this in obedience to his call, that he's entering into the broken paths and waters of repentance in order to be with us that we may be with him. You see, does Jesus need to repent and be purified? No. The scriptures make clear that he's conceived in the spirit and walking in the spirit already, but in baptism, Jesus joins with and stands in solidarity with his people. He enters into the waters that were marked for those who needed to repent of their broken and crooked ways. And this is, becomes clear. And John says, let it be. For thus it's fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. This is the necessary path, Jesus is saying, for me to be the messianic servant, the one who identifies with and who redeems his people. So John consents and Jesus is baptized and Jesus enters the waters and he comes up from the waters and, and what happens? Something to see and something to hear. Behold, the heavens were opened to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. As Jesus follows the call of God to be the servant who identifies with sinful and broken people, God affirms him, affirms his pleasure, affirms Jesus' identity. And it's interesting to see this, this moment this moment of significance that happens at the Jordan River, but it's pointing and connecting to something that is rarely significant. You see, th this event, the same things, the water, the spirit, God's voice, they are the same things that were present in Genesis 1 and the creation of the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering like a bird over the face of the waters, and God spoke, let there be light, and there was light. You see, there is a divine introduction of God to this person of Jesus. But we see through these actions of the Spirit and the words of God that something parallel to the creation of all things is happening. Here is someone who was involved in creation, but is now involved, now has come to bring forth a new creation. This is not just an interesting kind of literary connection, which it is that. <laughs> but it's inviting you and I, if we ask this question, you know, who is this and why is he here? To see that this is the, God, God, the son of God, but what he's come to do is parallel with the creating of heaven and earth. To enter into the waters, to identify with sinful and broken people, to bring forth something new that only God, the creator, can do. And he does this new creating through joining his people 
by entering the broken ways and the waters of repentance to bring new life, a new story, and new hope. That's the power of God present in Christ. Here we see God himself participating in the revelation of who this is. There was a genealogy, there was angels, there was magis from the east, and now God himself speaks. The Lord has empowered Jesus for ministry and now publicly declared his identity. This is my beloved son in whom I am pleased. Let me introduce you. Let me declare this one to you. He's come into the wilderness, the place outside of human structures, to bring something that humans cannot bring. So the first question is, how does these events tell us about who Jesus is? And we're pointed to his identity and his, his mission. And the second question I want us to look at this morning, though, is how does this identity speak to our own? How does Jesus' identity speak to who we are? And I think it's we, to answer that, we have to still kind of dwell a little bit on what Jesus has done here. The message, or what, what's going on in our passage, the message is that the Lord is coming. Prepare the way for the Lord. And it's helpful for us to kind of keep in mind that this is not just an abstract announcement, something good's on the way. Or not, it's not just a general message that, you know, God's interested but rather the presentation of John, the voice crying in the wilderness, calling for our attention, says a person is coming. A person is coming. God, the creator of all things, in a very personal way, is taking on flesh and coming in the person of Jesus. And I guess what I'm hoping that we can see, maybe this was clear already, but I'm hoping that we can get this sense is that in his baptism, Jesus is stepping towards us. When he steps into the waters, he's choosing to identify with you and me, saying this is why I've come and, and I embrace it. No matter where you are today, the new year is off to a great start, or it's the same old, same old, or just things have gotten worse. Jesus stepping into the waters is a reminder that when God has come, he has come to join us. He's come to join us. To join us and to enter into the waters of sinners like you and me. See, when Jesus begins his ministry, he's baptized. And this is a way of him drawing near in humility and meekness, moving towards us. And as I was thinking about this and what it can tell us about ourselves, I, I thought of there's a, a Christian author the other recently that I had read who, who said this. When you're young, he's saying generally, I guess, <laughs> when you're young, it's easy to confuse strength with dominance. I think what this author means is it's easy to confuse strength with getting your way or getting others to agree with you. It's easy to confuse strength with dominance, but when you're older, you realize the feat of character it takes to be meek. I used to imagine my calling was to defend the truth, tell or show others the answers, 
Now I'm just trying to figure out how to love as God has loved me. I don't know how that strikes you or resonates with you. But when Jesus moves towards us in his baptism, he's displaying a strength, a character of meekness and humility, of identifying with those who are broken. And in doing so, it reminds us of something very crucial and important, that when we try to understand who we are, we don't stand alone or we don't simply look at ourselves to discover who we are. We need to meet God's actions and movements towards us, that God loves you. And our response to Jesus stepping towards us in baptism is to respond in faith with open hands to receive him, to be baptized in his name. And if you have been baptized, whether it was a child or as an adult, this passage invites us to remember this, to identify ourselves in light of it. You see, when we are baptized, we're baptized into Jesus' name, baptized in Christ. That what baptism is pointing at, telling us, is that we're not alone. That when we have faith, when we receive his name, in faith that we are engrafted into his body because Jesus stepped towards us in great love. Our identity doesn't come because we're strong to dominate others. Our identity is found in the strength of God who draws near to us even in our sin and weakness. being welcomed into the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven means being welcomed into fellowship with God, that in Jesus we know reconciliation and forgiveness and healing, a word that's apart from the other words that surround us. And it's in this relationship with Christ through knowing who he is that we can know ourselves. We can even know the wonder that as God has proclaimed to Jesus, you are my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. In the wonder of God's grace that we ourselves can receive such a word from God. You are my beloved child. You are forgiven and in you I am pleased. This is the good news of God. And this is where we begin to think about who we are. Over the next few weeks, as we look at the Gospel of Matthew, we'll see that Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount in particular directs us in numerous ways how to live, how to treat our enemies, how to think of our possessions, how to handle our anger or other experiences. But we have to start by remembering that our identity is not in the strength in which we can overcome all things or convince everyone else about who we are. But it starts with God and his strength drawing near to us. This is the good news. And I invite you this day to reflect on this invitation, to either remember your baptism, or if you haven't been baptized, to think about the invitation to do so, to be marked out as one who belongs to Christ, who has faith in him, who finds your identity in the God who has joined us in his love. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for who you are, and I thank you, Lord, for your good word. And I thank you, Lord, for Epiphany that reminds us that you have much to tell us and much to reveal. 
that you did not leave us alone or not leave us in silence, but have revealed yourself in Christ and called us to walk in newness with him. Give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you please stand with us? We'll sing together. The King shall come when morning dawns and thy triumphant praise when beauty gives the eastern hills and light to of every nation by the light of a wondrous star you led the magi to the humble infant Jesus revealing to them your salvation for the world lead us to Christ that we may offer our worship and serve him with sincerity Having heard God's word, we're now invited to the table that God sets for his people. This table is a picture of the good news of God. Just like in baptism, baptism is a picture of him making new life, bringing newness, washing one clean, and bringing forth a newness only God can do. Here we see a picture of God and God's family that through Christ, 
we are invited to no longer be on our own to face the world or face our own struggles, but we're invited to know ourselves as a child of God in Christ, a place at his family meal, nourished by the Spirit to walk in new ways. The good news of the Magi reminding us, that they remind us of Epiphany, is that this revelation of Jesus, this good news, is not just for those who are nearby, not just those who are familiar with the language, not just familiar with, you know, the Old Testament, but the revelation of God is for those who are near and those who are far. When God displays his kingdom breaking in, it's shepherds who hear, it's magi from the east who come. And that's good news for you and me. For this table is not set just for those who have things figured out or know how to, the next steps or have kind of always known what, what Christianity was. This table is an invitation for those near and far to find identity not in ourselves and our strength, but an identity in God's grace that takes one who is by themselves and brings them near as a child of God, a place in the family now and forever through Christ. This is the good news of this table, the good news of Christ. If you are a follower of Christ, then come and eat and drink and be nourished. If you're not yet a follower, let this table be a witness and an invitation to you. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this bread and cup, and I pray, Lord, that you set them apart, and that by your spirit you would need us, that you would lift our heads, speaking comfort and pleasure to those of us who feel shame, that you'd strengthen our legs, that we could walk in new ways, loving one another and loving our neighbors, that you give us a sense of identity, that we belong to you. No matter the circumstances, no matter how others are speaking to us or treating us, no matter how things are broken, Lord, that your light is greater than the dark. We give you thanks for these things, and we pray your spirit would minister to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, on the night that he was betrayed, after giving thanks, Jesus took the bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The same way after the supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. Whenever we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Those who are serving, I invite to go ahead and come forward. And, and if you are participating in communion today, I invite you to come down the center aisle. You can receive the bread and the cup and then go back on the sides. And if you're able, please hold the elements until everyone's been served that we can eat and drink as one family. Also, if you are uh, not participating in communion, uh, we're, still, we're glad you're here. And we invite you to come forward. You can just receive a prayer blessing. Just put your arm across your chest. And I'm happy to pray, pray for you here at the table. Let's come now and receive God's gifts.
Christ's body was broken to make us whole. Let us eat in faith. Christ's blood was shed to cover all of our sins. Let us drink in faith. In response to this table, I invite you to stand that we can pray and sing as God's people. Lord Jesus Christ, the Magi brought you gifts at your nativity and offered their lives to you in worship. With thankfulness and joy, let us offer ourselves and our gifts to God as we join together in praise. continue worshiping through a, a giving of our gifts to God or responding to God's generosity. So I want to invite the, the greeters to come forward. They have a, a gray basket for the communion cup and a, a silver plate for offering. Uh, you can give to the offering plate or you can see, you'll see in your an order of worship. You can also give to the church's website or by text. Um, we're thankful for the gifts that you give to the work of the church. I just want to say welcome again, especially if you're visiting uh, today. Go, so glad you can join us uh, for worship. Just a couple notes that after the service, there is coffee and bagels uh, just over on my left over here in the Waters Cafeteria. If you go out the back doors and, and to your turn left, uh, you'll, you can enter through the glass doors and, uh, and invite you to stay after uh, for a chance just to get to know each other better. Uh, also, if you uh, do not receive the church's weekly email and like to kind of be on the, uh, the email list or just to learn more about the church, um, there is a QR code in the order of worship. You can scan that and fill out something online or step by the back table, the, the welcome table, and fill out a uh, connect card there, and uh, it'd be great to follow up with you and, and share that uh, weekly communication with you. Let's now continue giving our gifts to God in his response to his generosity. Will you please stand and join us for the doxology? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. 
receive now God's blessing. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, may the love of God surround you now and always. In the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Go in peace. Thank you.